This is the Only One Shot Golf Podcast, and I'm Jim Gallagher, Jr. I'll be your host today. We appreciate Steve Azar for allowing us to use his music, and you can find Steve at steveazar.com. Don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot. That's available on Amazon. That was written by V.J. Trollio, the teaching professional at Old Waverly Golf Club back in West Point, Mississippi. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast, and we appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today. And I've got a great uh, podcast today. We've got a recent winner on the PGA Tour, Chad Ramey. We have his instructor, VJ Trolio. VJ will be in the first part of the uh, podcast, talk about how the days back uh, almost 20 years ago when Chad came uh, to him when he's about eight years old, that he's now... VJ's been the instructor for so many uh, great players, college players, state am champions. He's got a player that uh, with Ali Ewing, who's won two times on the LPGA. Chad's won on the Corn Ferry Tour, and now the PGA Tour. And I can't wait uh, for everybody to hear uh, from VJ and how excited he was, and more importantly, uh, to hear from Chad and get kind of his uh, reflection now a couple days afterwards. So stay tuned. We got a great podcast ahead. Uh, it is with uh, VJ Trolio and Chad Ramey. Well, it's my pleasure to have. VJ Trolio back on the podcast after one of his students, Chad Ramey, with his first PGA Tour win. VJ, you now have a winner on the LPGA, Corn Ferry Tour, and PGA Tour. Uh, when you hear that, how does that make you feel, especially with Chad and Allie, who were your first two students? I mean, what goes through your mind when you hear that? Uh, unique, you know, and blessed and proud. Um, all all those words, you know. There's y- using skill at the level they use the skill. It's just so exciting to watch. Um, building that skill is not the most fun thing in the world. It's it's really pretty boring. So you know, I just um, I salute their their work ethic and I salute their their belief and um, I salute and their unwavering um, concept on. On how they're going to become the best they can be, and so it's just a, it's an awesome, it's an awesome experience. It's an awesome feeling. Well, it's one that I, one, one that I've looked for, you know, one that I've looked for for a long time. Did you envision this when you first? I mean, it's hard to say when you pick up a ten or twelve year old. Did you? I mean, everybody dreams. Uh, and I remember there was a story. I think Alice and your wife said that somebody told you there would never be a person from the state of Mississippi win on the PGA Tour. Uh, and it's, it's just a true story. It's a tr- tell us that story, because I mean, I just think it's it's proof that not just you and Tim, and just how our state has really just changed so much, and how it's improved yeah. with guys like you and Mr. Brian building Old Waverly and and the PGA Tour event. But you know, take us through that story. Tell us that story. Um, I, I had just, I, I had just finished, uh, my senior season at Southern Miss and was, uh, was about to play minis. And I, so I was the first guy at Southern Miss to make it to, to NCAAs. Um, and so it was, it was, I was coming off a really good year and, you know, hindsight being 2020, I thought it was probably a bigger year than, than what it was, but I was ranked somewhere in the top 40 in the country. And, uh, I, I, I went out to, uh, I went out to a club there in Hattiesburg, and because one of the one of the players on the golf team had my shag bag, hmm. and so I was out there trying to track down my shag bag. It wedges. We had a little place between Hasbro Country Club and Van Hook where we used to hit wedges. And I ran into this guy, and this guy, you know, he was like, "Who are you?" And I said, "BJ," and you know, the typical thing, you know, you're not big enough to be BJ, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. And um, and so he asked me what I was what I was going to do, and I said, "Well, I'm you know I'm going to turn pro and." 
And he said, well, no, 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 no. Don't turn pro. Don't turn to pro. Most important thing you need to do is leave the state of Mississippi because there will not be a there will not be a PGA Tour winner from this state. There's not enough people. There's not enough money. And uh, and so that kind of struck with me. You know, it's, it's kind of the last thing you want to hear when you're when you're about to turn pro. How does that make you feel? And, uh, that's got to that's got to kind of well, motivate you, know, you it, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it obviously motivated me. <clears throat> it stuck it stuck with me all these years. And um, you know, and then I, I played golf for a living uh, for a couple years there, and I mandated into a tour event, missed cut, missed second stage of tour school, and and it seemed like real quick, like you know, nine months later, I was I was up here, I was at Old Waverly, and so that was twenty, and yeah, that was over twenty, that was twenty two years ago, and so uh, so yeah, it was a uh, you know, I always wanted to, uh, Mr. Brian, Wilkes Brian, um, that whole that whole crew, Brad Suggs, the superintendent, um, I mean, just the whole crew, you know. I wanted to provide world-class instruction to people from from our area, from the South, just because in the past, you know how it works, Jimmy. In the past, you know, if your if your company gets good and you have a good name, then typically you go somewhere where there's more population. It just makes sense that way. And um, along the way, obviously, I, you know, I met you, you. You mentored me a lot. I met a guy named by, by the name of Bill Walters. He mentored me a lot. T. Light mentored me a lot, Sam Hall. And so the biggest mentors in my life were people from Mississippi. And I was like, well, let's, let's just, let's just stay here and keep hitting the grindstone. And, um, and then Tim joined the team, I guess in 07. And, um, and you know, the rest is the rest. And you so have very blessed. And you have, I'm telling you folks, when you go back to old Waverly, which is in West Point, Mississippi, and I don't know what eight, 10,000 people. I don't even think it's that many that live there. It's in the triangle, Starkville, there, Columbus, but there's 20, 25 kids out there and has been for 15 years out there because yeah. of BJ and Tim and you guys, your high school team is phenomenal. The scores they shoot are just crazy good. But yeah. talking about Chad, he grew up in Fulton, as did Allie, on a yeah. nine-hole course. Clay Homan, who won yeah. multiple state AMs, golf coach at yeah. State. I mean, it's a, the story is phenomenal. But he comes mm-hmm. to see you. His dad's his superintendent, but he's also his instructor. How old was he when he came to see you? And take us kind of through that process of when you start working you know, with him and, and getting him to college. You know, he was he was probably eight, nine years old. Was he that young? And um, Yeah, maybe been 10. I don't know. He was a little kid, played cross-handed. No, sorry, little kid putted with a claw. You know, really? and um, yeah, I used to give him putting lessons on the upper putting green. Tell you how long ago it was. The teaching center wasn't even built. We were hitting balls in the in the back room there. Old Waverly was the makeshift teaching center. But he, um, you know, but Stanley obviously saw something uh, with me that he felt like I could mentor his son. And then, um, and you know, it's it's really been a, a pretty synergistic relationship as far as. Over the years, Chad came to Mississippi State, Alec came to Mississippi State, and you, you know me. Um, like I, I'll turn over just about every stone in the world to uh, to try to measure things and try to help people that want to be helped. And so we had a lot of um, – we spent a lot of hours together, a ton of hours together, and a lot of times Stanley was there. And it, was, it really worked well because then Stanley knew what they were working on. They knew what they were working on, and so they would go off with, with Stanley – Stanley would make sure they were doing everything right. We'd see the swing adapt the way we wanted to, or see the ball flight adapt, or see the putting stroke, or whatever it was. 
and then they'd come back for more. And, you know, that cycle just continually repeated itself um, for the last 20 years. So you had a plan, and, I, and I'll get to the story. Right. He was there the week before he won. Uh, yeah. But you kind of have a plan, and here's a 10-year-old kid that comes down, and, I mean, attention span. But was there something special? And you and I talk about it. That's why we did this podcast, what separates the elite from the rest. Was there some? I, I know we, what, what he's like as a teenager because I watched him play there. I yeah. didn't know early on. But was there something you saw? It's easy to say it now, but is there mm-hmm. something maybe you saw? You know, he loved it. He loved uh, it. He loved it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and Allie did too. And, um, you know, most juniors that really, really, um, what I see, they really take off. If you go look at a 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 year old, they just love it. You know, some people jump out of airplanes and, it gives them their dopamine fix, and you know, and other people hit a golf ball and or chip a ball, and so yeah, he he just he loved it, he loved it. And you can't teach that, you can't teach that. No, no, you you, you can't. You know, when you start wandering off into into the weeds a little bit, and I won't wander too far, but when you start wandering far enough off in the weeds, um, there's things that God gives you, and and God gives you gifts and. And then if you're faithful um, and you do a lot of work, God does a lot of work for you, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, good habits do a lot of the work for you. And, you know, that's what you're, you're seeing, a culmination of of many, many, many good habits, many, many, many um, hours spent honing that craft. So, how, so what were some of the things you worked on early on, uh, maybe when it gets to junior golf? I mean, obviously at 10 you can't work on just the basics, but – what were some of the things you worked on, and, and and what what were some of the things you really he needed to work on uh, to keep improving over time? Well, it's you, you have all the facets, right? So you have ball position, grip, and alignment, right? Your basic stance, and then you have your basic stuff on like how to draw it, how to fade it, um, how to hit it straight, and then how to practice those, and then when to use those, right? So I mean that's a lot, but then you get more into the movement side of it, and. Um, and you know, Chad had really fast hips, high school hips. We always call them, right? Kids <laughs> just spin around, spin around with the club still up there at the top. And um, did a lot of work there. And it, I, and I think that that was probably the biggest, you know, from 12, 11, 12, 13 on up. That was probably the biggest thing for him was was just getting it synced up right, and getting the arms to start down before the hips fired and his feel right. And um, and then after that, you know, a lot of the college stuff is just they're trying to play so much golf, right, Jimmy? Mm-hmm. It's just constant golf. So a lot of that was just sort of keeping between the ditches as far as, you know, his golf swing. And um, and then after, towards the end of college golf, it got a little bit more detailed as far as um, good functional menus, like good e-gossip menus, good functional menus. And the plan really started developing on the, per, on the, on the front side of him practicing, and the plan started developing on the back side of him practicing. And so, you know, the plan just started kind of getting bigger, bigger, bigger. And, uh, it's, you know, that's, I say plan, I say plan, I say plan. But, you know, I still go back to to uh, to his, I mean, he for years drove a Honda Accord down to take golf lessons. It must have had 290,000 miles on it, you know. And, mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's a good-looking, looks like Elvis Presley, 24-year-old kid, 25-year-old kid, still playing many, not even checked up just loves it and um so what'd you tell him because he had so much you know we all thought you know there's no way he misses but he didn't get his card right away what are you telling him through that process to keep him 
encouraged. Obviously, he still loves it, but I mean, what do you tell a kid that takes a couple of years just to get status on the Corn Ferry Tour? Well, you know, so one thing that Stanley and um, and I've always tried to do with Chad is telling the truth. And so, if, if something could get better, let's just let's just focus on what we can do. Focus on this part. Focus on this part. Focus on this part. And you know, whether it's whether it's a you know learning to hit a nine yard bunker shot or learning to um, you know learning to run a great process in putting or learning to trust practice or moving better. You know, we that's a you just lost in the you get lost in the process of things. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, somewhere along the way, like every coach, you know, I don't love Chad the way Stanley does. But I love him as much as as I would my nephew, right? You know? And uh, so somewhere along the way, you know, you also really you start caring about the kid. You start, you know, you start caring about the kid behind the athlete, right? You start caring about the person behind the athlete. And so, you know, a lot of that just it kind of comes with different players. But getting on the golf course and playing golf, I mean, one of the, you know one of the big things that we've done is is played a lot of golf and and talked about shots. You know, what what's what's considered a good shot, what's not a good shot. You know, just get the expectations right, um, and then there's a lot of things behind the scenes. You know, you have you have people like you, um, people like Chris Blanks, people like Jonathan Randolph, people like Matt Fass, uh, you know, uh, people like Vance Veazey, and, and you stayed around. But you have a whole host of people where you you see what's happening on tour and what will and what work, and then you get to come back and tell you know, other people about it, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have people like you, you're a five-time winner, you're over there hitting golf balls, and you're talking about how good he's hitting it. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of variables in there. But, uh, but he kept believing, and I guess at the end of the day, everybody started believing in him. Yeah, the key was him to believe in himself, which I think he always did. But you mentioned Egoski yeah. for our listeners that does. And we don't, we don't want to go into a three-hour thing on Egoski, but can you explain, <laughs> uh, kind of give us the uh, short version of what Egoski really is? Because a lot of people don't know what that is, and you talk about movement. Yeah, yeah, the easy way to think of it is that, you know, your body's connected. It's all one part, right? And so whatever's happening down low is going to affect the high, and whatever's happening on the right will affect the left. So... Um, when it comes to being a uh, being as good as you can be, then it's a really good idea to get that body as functional as you can get it. You know, within 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 whatever body will do, whatever whatever individual will do, I should say. And so it's just a it's an endless series of exercises that you can do to turn muscles on, right, and get that skeleton straight. And so when you start turning the right muscles on, getting that skeleton straight. It's uh, over a period of time, what do they say, you know, small gain, small gain, small gain, small gain, small gain, all of a sudden it's a big edge. And so we've always used we've always used that, and I hope all our listeners use something like it. Hopefully it's 2022, right? So hopefully our listeners aren't out there getting loose with their free wood. <laughs> <laughs> no, because it doesn't work, but I trust me. I tried right. that the other day. It didn't quite That's work right. too well for me. I had the orange whip, which is better, but uh, yes. you still have to stretch. And, and I think that's the flexibility. Yeah. I think that's what you see even yeah. even in kids and in college kids and in, 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 in the pros. But, yeah. you know, going back to Chad, I mean, he gets his status on Corn Ferry Tour, but he still – he worked out in the – he would do stuff in the morning, not just practice. Yeah. Well, let, me, let me add to what you were saying there. Like, you, you have these things that are – you have strength and you have flexibility, you have power, you have speed, you have coordination – and, you know, those are pillars of athleticism. Mm-hmm. And 
then on the other side of the boat, golf is really a tactical game. It's really a game of hit it here, hit it here, hit it here. You know, it's, it's overcoming emotions while you're playing this game of hitting the ball places. So, you know, we've, we've always – golf has led me to the point where, you know, you have to understand that. And swing technique should always assist uh, a good moving body in a good tactical, I know how to play golf. And, you know, um, and, 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 and that way it's, it's not all technique, technique, technique. It's like, uh, you know, you, you told me, I mean, it must have been 15 years ago, you were like, you know, if you can get to a bar five green, then two, go, but not lay up. And it seems real simple, but it's amazing how many people um, will try to run a ball up on a par five. Mm-hmm. That's, bad, that's, that's a bad technique. That's a bad strategy, bad te- tactical situation. So, when you start getting better at golf, you've got to look at, like, how am I playing the game? How do I play the game? What can I clean up tactically? What can I clean up that way? And then it's also, it's like, okay, how well is my body moving? How well can I get it to move? Right? So you put those two worlds together, and then, you know, that's that's a big part of it. You had a great golf swing. I mean, obviously, you won five times. In, did you win three times in two years? I won twice in 93 and twice in uh, 95 and finished second yeah. nine, nine different times. So, uh, yeah, so you, won four, you won four times in three years. And then if you traced all that back, you know, it was, it was probably not the gossling was perfect. It was probably a, a combination of you were, you were, you had control of your golf ball. You were thinking really well, like even under the gun, you could think tactically and where to hit it, where to do this. You were super patient. Your body felt great, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to roll. And so, um, not I'm not to break anything apart. You know, if, if you're thinking about what what Chad's what Chad's done, that would be it, right? You get get better, get better tactically, get better physically, get better at your technique. Just little parts along the way. Is that what he did to finally break through, staying on that course? to get to the Corn Ferry Tour status? Is that one of the things you think that he, he stayed steady with that? He didn't waver? Yeah, he did. Yeah, I mean, everybody that loves the game and really wants to be great at the game, the one thing they do that can hinder them is trying too hard. And, you know, we talk a lot about habits do a lot of the work for you. Impulses, impulses make you do a lot of the work. So, you know, when you have an impulse to change it or change this or change that, and, you know, the other thing we come behind and say a lot is you're going to peak 7 to 14 days out of the year. So stop trying to peak. Stop trying to be perfect. Stop trying to chase your impulses. Build a plan. Work inside that plan. Implement and adapt inside that plan. And then that way, the habits that you're building will do a lot of the work for you later. And, you know, that's that's what you're looking for. You're looking for them to be athletically and technically and tactically ready. Um, even though they might not peak, for them to be ready uh, most of the year. Yeah, that's what, I mean, when you look at what he did, uh, Corn Ferry Tour was the COVID year, and he looks like, you know, he's locked his card up, but they're going to go another year. Uh, so mm-hmm. yes, but last last season, I mean, my gosh, it was every week he was in contention. Uh, yeah. It just seemed like he was top five, top ten, been a second on the money list. And But what did you tell him, you know, he gets his card and there's only a week off. I mean, what's what kind of game plan, you talk about the plan, what kind of game plan did you all have? making that transition or is it just go it's the same kind of golf it's just on a little bigger stage when he goes from corn ferry to the regular tour uh it's it, I, we didn't we didn't change much we 
you know, I think Stanley and Chad and Kelly and David O'Donovan and myself, we all knew that we didn't, we, we needed to make sure that not a lot was changing because we knew that the tour was going to change him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I mean, that's, that's one of the benefits of coaching players for 20 years, right? Is that you know what the PGA Tour can do to people. And, uh, and I, so I think that's the biggest thing is, is having what we did is, um, I kept really good records of his plans that he had had for the last four years. And so I could always remind him, you know, it's like, this is what you were thinking about. And, you know, from September to November, 2020, right. It was just this simple. This is what you were doing. You were saying inside these, these lines. And, and so I think that was, um, you'd have to ask him, but I think that was really beneficial to him is the, not changing a lot, knowing that the tour was going to, the tour, the competition, the people around, they're going to try to change that. Like, so it's like, let's not go in there and change a lot because you and I both know what happens when you change a lot. We never get used to anything. You never, you never adapt to anything. You're just always chasing impulses. Right. So I, I think that would be the biggest recipe is just like, we know what got you here. And, um, and when I say we know what you got here, like it's written down on this piece of paper. So how do you? So you've got that all written down, and so he he, he mm-hmm. gets off to a decent start in the fall. He has a chance yep. at Vegas, doesn't get it done. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then you got the off season. And, what are you telling him? Then? Exa- at this point, at, at this point, he's exhausted. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. So he's exhausted. A lot of that was from exhaustion at the end there when he didn't quite get it done. Yeah. Where did he learn? Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I'd have to ask him that too. But what are you yeah, telling you'd him? You'd have to ask him. But what are you telling um, him there? I, th- I think what the biggest thing to me. Is not only like you said he's exhausted. He has that time off, but he was out there still practicing and working at it. But he got in that final group at Puerto Rico, and I think he learned yeah. a lot about himself. It was an it's an opposite event, yeah. And it was he felt comfortable, like not that it was equal to Corn Ferry Tour, and not put it to there, sure. But I sure. think that, and like you said, we're, I'm going to get him on, and we're going to talk about it. Uh, but that had to help him. When you think about when you told me the story, he came in the week before, this last week before, and was struggling. Yeah. And you told him, stick to the plan. Don't change anything. Mm-hmm. How difficult yeah. do you think it was for him, not to, for you guys, not to, you know, he's wanting, he, he's close, and to stay on the plan. That takes some discipline. Yeah. Well, you, you know, you could talk about it in a lot of different ways, but, 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 that PGA Tour, or I guess anytime you get close to a goal, right? Anytime you get close to a goal, you just want that, want it more and more and more. And um, and there's two things that can happen. One thing is that you can achieve the goal, and then you can get lazy and not run your plan anymore. Um, when I say lazy, I also mean fatigue, bored with it, right? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like you know. I guess I guess um, Tiger Woods had to go through some of that when he won the Tiger Slam. You know, he's better than everybody else, so why not change my swing? It's almost like he's bored with, right? And then the other thing that can happen is the player can just change too much. And, uh, you know, who, who, was the guy, who was the gentleman that won the Players' Championship? Um, he ended up being a, a, a club professional for a period of time down in Lafayette, Louisiana. Oh, uh, Craig Perks. Yeah. And you remember, I remember talking to Perks about that. And after Perks won the Players Championship, he felt like he changed everything. I mean, he went to see the host of coaches and yeah, and swing gurus and stuff. So I think those are the two big things. And and there's an, I have enough stories around 
where I can explain that is it's like, are you tired? Are you tired and bored of doing this plan? Uh, no, uh, I'm still in on that. Okay. Well, are you doing that? No, I'm not because every, you know, every day it's something new. I'm trying this, my driver's this way and doing that and doing this. And it's like, we, well, you just stop. What got you here was having a plan and running the plan so that you could develop inside that plan and you could adapt some. And, um, you know, and he, he's, he, he, there you go. How do you keep him that's, from, how do you keep him from falling into that trap? Because as you said, Craig Perks personally told me, I felt like I had, when I wasn't, when it wasn't going well, good, I had to play like I'm the player's champ and it entered his mind. So what do you, how do you help Chad along that way from the same stories telling him what you've um, seen, me, him, whoever yeah. done it? Well, keep measure it, right? And, you, you know, make sure the voices are the same. Make sure Stanley and, and David and BJ and Kelly and you make sure everybody on his team is saying the same thing. And, I mean, obviously, obviously there's pillars of, of just physical development that an athlete might want to do, right? So you might want to get a little stronger. You might want to get a little more coordinated. You might want to get more flexible. But as far as rewriting the book on – on how to swing the golf club or how to hit a pitch motion or, you know, that's, that's where I kind of stand ground pretty firm and try not to get that rug pulled out from under me. It's, it's like, if, if we know that this process and plan works, let's stay with it. And then, you know, it's not always golf swing technique that takes somebody to the next level. Exactly. As you well know, yeah. right. You didn't change, you didn't change your golf swing. Um, but it, you, your game went to the next level. Yeah, I think you can make adjustments, but changes where you get in trouble. And and yeah, you know, I I just it's been so much fun for me. We had Chad on back in season two, episode thirteen, and this is episode uh, we've had a hundred and one or so episodes. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe, mm-hmm. but it was so f- enlightening. This is before he had even kicked it in. Uh, he may have just had corn fairy tour status mm-hmm. and just see. The, the progress and uh, they wanted me to be on golf today to talk about him. And I said, I can talk about him all day long. I've watched this kid and it's just, mm-hmm. it is, is I always say it's, and I put on Instagram, it was Mississippi proud because it does it. it we see from our, yeah, our, our little state. Uh, 1970. Somebody sent me an article today. It was 1970. Pete Brown time. was the last um, Mississippi yeah. born uh, champion. Glenn Day is yeah. from Mississippi, but was born in Mobile. And Johnny Potts mm-hmm. was from Missouri. And of course, me, Indiana. And yeah. so, but it, that's a long time. Uh, but it I is. think, I think it, it's a process, as, as you said, uh, Mr. Brian yeah. builds old Waverly. We have a women's open in 99. Uh, you and Tim have built just an incredible uh mm-hmm. I, I think you've also brought other good instructors in our state because of what you two have done and, and you're never going to brag on yourself but it just to see i mean you've got kids playing division one you've got kids winning state ams uh in high school tournaments mm-hmm. it's just it i think oh. and i talked to patty sheehan this morning or this afternoon about it we were talking about how things have changed instruction uh nutrition workouts it's just so much different mm-hmm. than when we mm-hmm. were playing not too long ago mm-hmm. and i think that's yeah. and we got better golf courses in mississippi and i think uh, yeah. you better watch out because we also have davis rally and hayden buckley out there and they've mm-hmm. had great years mm-hmm. so when you see yeah, that sure. and i know you've you we've watched them since their kids are all the mm-hmm. same age it just it's so much fun to see them 
living that dream. And uh, and I know I know you've had a, a lot of fun watching Allie with two wins, a couple Solheim Cups, mm-hmm. and you're watching your own son, Cohen and Colin's mm-hmm. sons, having success. So I know you're proud of that. Yeah, Wells, Wells Williams, yeah, yeah. Jake Blanton. There's yeah. a lot of them. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, at the end of the day, we're standing on the shoulders of the people that came before us. I mean, that's what we do, right? That's what that's what all of us do. So people laid a lot of the groundwork. Um, people, I mean, you know, players laid a lot of that groundwork. And so all we're doing is is laying, laying more groundwork. Well, I think they saw, and not that I, I don't ever give myself credit for it, but they saw that it could happen, that I – yeah. I'm not. I wasn't <laughs> born in Mississippi, but I choose to live there. That says yeah. a lot uh, about. Yeah, but you're a, you're a nice you're a, you're a, you're a five-time winner. That's a nice guy that spent what a hundred hours on the range at Old Waverly on the back of the range. Mm. Well, I mean, you know what I mean. I mean, it's and it's it's like I said, we're we're uh, we're very blessed, and we're all standing on the shoulders of the people that came before us. And um, I can't I can't wait to see what. I can't see, can't wait to see what the future generations do. Absolutely, I'm just glad that um, I'm glad that um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm glad it's where it is, and I look forward to it getting better. It's going to get better, VJ. I appreciate your time. We're going to get Chad on. I'm going to try to get a hold of him. I know he's so busy. I just want to get five or ten minutes of his time because I want to hear from him uh, and, and find out. Just you know, just I know he's proud, uh, and and he's, oh, yeah. he's just. Uh, uh, we sat there and watched him, and uh, my daughter Mary Langdon, who went to school with him, and she was as excited as if it was her brother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just yeah. think that's just the, the cool part of what we've we've seen be built by you, Tim, and everybody else. But appreciate you spending some time with us, uh, and uh, you got to get back out there and, and work with some more people and get the next PGA Tour or LPGA champion out there. You got it, brother. You got it. Thanks for everything you did. Well, I hope you enjoyed our earlier part with VJ Trolio uh, in this podcast. I told you we'd get Chad Ramey back on the podcast, and he's agreed to talk with us about his first PGA Tour win. He buried four out of the last six. Chad, thanks so much for being back with us. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, you, you had you had a couple of days now to reflect on what you've accomplished. Has it hit you? Is it really kind of sunk in what you've accomplished uh, just two days ago winning your first PGA Tour event in your rookie year? Um, I, I think it's starting to a little, um, it's just kind of, you know, everywhere I go, everybody's congratulating me. So I, I won't forget, I woke up the, the morning after I won and I, I grabbed my phone and I saw all the messages and that's when it kind of, it actually kind of sunk in a little bit. I was like, man, that wasn't a dream. It, it really did happen. So it's definitely starting to sink in a little bit. Um, and you know, it, you, you hear it a lot, but it, it really is kind of the way it was. That that whole back nine was, you know, a little bit of a blur, but it was uh, it was fun. Who was the first person you called? Was it your dad, mom? Was it your family? Who was the first one? You um, called? so I was I was lucky enough that I had my wife Kelly okay. and my father Stanley were both there, so they were actually both there with me. So I I saw them, you know, as as soon as I came off the 18th green. So I. I was lucky to have them both there. That's awesome, because I remember they were in Maine when you won uh, your first Corn Ferry Tour event, but actually your dad was on the back, so he was firsthand right. there. Uh, but right, so I, he, he, he was able to be there for my first professional win, and then he was also there for my first 
PGA Tour win. That so is, it was, uh, that pretty, is that's pretty, pretty special. special. That's so cool. Okay, everybody wants to know, including me and BJ, how was the celebration that night? What was the celebration? You don't have to tell um, us all the details. It, it was actually um, not much to it, sadly enough. It was, you know, I, I was talking to somebody earlier today, you know, and they're always like, ah, oh, how's the celebration? And, and it's like, did you, you know, drink a lot and stuff? And it's like, no, I really didn't. It was just, you know, I, I'm not going to say in shock, but you're just still kind of taking everything in. Um, but we, we were going to have a dinner with my caddy, but it, that ended up kind of falling through. So, we just we're staying at the Westin, the really nice resort there. So we just hung out at the Westin, um, you know, had a few celebratory drinks and uh, just ate some dinner and just the three of us hung out. So it was it was a good night though. Yeah, you know it's funny. Somebody asked me my last win in Memphis. What'd you do to celebrate? I said went through the drive-through at McDonald's and got the kids chicken nuggets and, <laughs> and you know went but, back to Greenwood. I mean it's right. That's that's kind of the same way it felt there. Um, we didn't do anything special. You, you know, we just hung out at the hotel, had some dinner, and, you know, it, it was almost just like another night. But, you know, it was obviously a lot more special. Take us back through that back nine. You birdied four of the last six, like I said. Did you know where you stood? I, I remember I, I just rewatched actually today where you watched the, uh, you finishing again. I just couldn't get enough of it. And, and you said you kind of uh-huh. knew where you were, but did you know where you stood going in that last, you know, few holes? Well, I, so I never – I never looked at a leaderboard. Um, I, I was playing with Ben that had, I believe, starting the day he had a two-shot lead, and I knew he was a couple under par, so I, I knew he was, you know, going to be right there around the lead. And then I had honestly been playing solid all day. I mean, I bogeyed the second hole, but it was playing pretty tough, that hole was. And even on the front, you know, I hit a lot of really good putts on the front that didn't, didn't go in and then you know starting the back nine hit a great putt on 10 that kind of hung on the edge and then uh lift out my birdie putt on 11 so i was rolling it good and i i just kept telling myself to be patient and um i finally got a little momentum there on 13 um but like i said i didn't know exactly where i was i, I knew with those um whenever i got on that little run that you know i was definitely in the mix and I think the first time I looked at a leaderboard was coming up to 18 green. So I'd already hit my second shot on the green, and I looked at the leaderboard there, and I saw that I had a one-shot lead. Um, and then, you know, I was just fortunate enough that, you know, did you, you know, it worked out. Did you know when Ben missed it? Did you know you'd won? And when did you, I guess, I, when did you kind of realize you'd won? Um, I had a very good feeling. Um, that like after he missed it, I knew that I was at 17 and I, I had a really good feeling that it was to win. Um, but to be honest, sadly enough, whenever I tapped that last put in and the, the kind of the, the stands and the crowd kind of went, you know, started cheering and hollering, that's whenever like I was like, okay, like we, you know, we did it. Yeah. So your heart's not really racing on that short putt. You were still in the focus and on the moment. Uh, it was. It was racing. I was I was joking to I was joking to someone. Um, you know, like whenever I'm back home, me and Tim always get on uh, the Sam Putton lab, and I was like, I, w- I would have liked to have seen that last stroke on 18 on on Sam. I'd like to see what it looked like. 
You know what it felt like when it went in. You just... I know what it. I definitely know what it felt like. Well, take us back because VJ told me you guys were there, and even Allie. I talked to Allie this morning, uh, Ewing, and she was so proud. She said that you were struggling a little bit with your putting, struggling a little bit the week before you got down there. And VJ just said, "Stick with the plan." And I, I give you and Allie both credit, and we'll get a little bit of that. And I know you, you got a lot going on, but you guys started with VJ early on, and you've had this plan, and you guys never wavered. You believed in each other. You believed in yourself, and you know it's like I sent you the text. You know, you wonder sometimes when you go through struggles. Is it really worth it? But when you have a day like Sunday, it is really worth it, isn't it? A hundred percent. You know, all, all the hard work and all the hours and all the trust, it, it's a hundred percent worth it. And, you know, like we said, we've we've all been working together and on the same team for, gosh, it feels like, you know, for what it is, close to 20 years now. Um, and just the trust that, that we all have in each other and sticking to that process because, you know, You've been out there enough that you, you know it's not all, always going to be good. There's usually a lot more rough and harder times than there are good times, but whenever you have those good times, it's it's well worth it. What do you tell yourself when you're having those tough times? Because there's a lot of kids listening now that may struggle, you know, kind of like um, call a slump, not so much a slump but not playing. What do you tell yourself to keep yourself being patient? Right. That I mean, that's one thing is – you know, all it takes is one good week, especially, you know, out here on that on the PGA Tour. Um, so that's what you tell yourself. Obviously, you want to be as consistent as you can. But just, you know, just kind of keep grinding it out, staying patient. Um, and then, you know, if you, I, I firmly believe that if you put in the hard work, you'll get the results that you ultimately want in the end. Um, I, I'm, I'm just a very... I guess hard work driven person. I think if you put the work in, you you kind of you get what you deserve. You get what you put in. Exactly. And you know, Allie told me this morning. I, I think you all talked a week or so ago, and you and I know I've been in your shoes where you, you, that reshuffle's coming up. And you told her I got three events to kind of you know kind of secure the way I'm finishing the rest of the season to have the opportunities to play. I may need to win. And <laughs> by George, you went out and won. Right. Do you remember that conversation? Right. I, I briefly remember it because, you know, I, I think we might have, you know, maybe been talking about where I was playing the rest of the year, and I knew, I think it's after this week, after San Antonio, there's another reshuffle, and it's just like every little point counts, especially getting, you know, later in the year, um, just, it, it gets a little, I guess, you harder to get starts here and there, so just every little point counts, and uh, that, that win will be huge for me as far as it kind of got me out of the, uh, I guess you would call it like the rookie category, the Corn Ferry Tour category, and it kind of put me more in like the winner's category. And I'll just kind of be able to make my own schedule. Not that I'll take a lot off, but it's just a lot easier getting to pick and choose what I want to play in other than just I, I have to play whenever I have the chance. So it's just a little weight off your chest, you know, getting to know going into a season and the rest of this season that I'll get to kind of pick and choose my schedule. It's got to free you up, no question. And you remember, you know, you've had a solid rookie year, and Mississippi kids have been playing great. Hayden Buckley's had a great year. Davis Riley, of course. You, uh, Vegas, you had a couple days early on, played pretty good. You got in that final group at Puerto Rico, similar grass, similar kind of conditions. What did those weeks help? How did those weeks help you as far as that last nine holes and even this week getting that first win? 
Um, just maybe a little bit of confidence and a little bit of experience because that's kind of what I I keep telling myself. Like I, I the I believe it was the third round I was in the final group at Vegas, and then the final round at Puerto Rico I was in the final group. And I, I just keep telling myself that if I keep putting myself in those situations and I keep getting in the final group, I'm going to mess around and win one. And then it just happened to be you know last week at the Dominican. I got myself in that position that I'm starting to get a little more familiar with, and uh, I took advantage of it. Yeah, you caught that island fever, and you've played good on Corn Ferry Tour events down in the Bahamas, so you must like the Caribbean for some reason. Right, that's right. I was joking with somebody. They called me uh, Mr. Island, and I said, I'm 100% okay with that. Or the new Jack Sparrow, one of the two. That's right, that's right. What were your goals coming in this season? Uh, you know, it's your rookie year, you know, it's, and I knew you'd work hard and you didn't have much time cause you corn fairy toured a week off, then you're back at it. What were your goals coming in? I mean, obviously, you know, you always have the, the main goal to win, to win on the PGA tour. But I mean, obviously to me, probably the biggest goal for my tendency, what I've had trouble with is every time I get to a newer, bigger level, it takes me a little more time to kind of settle in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so going into this PGA Tour season, you know, it was like just knowing what worked for me on the Corn Ferry Tour and just sticking to what I know and just trying to do the best that I can to get my feet up and under me as fast as I can. And um, so, so maybe that kind of helped and paid off a little bit. You know, it's just coming into this season not trying to change anything you know there's a lot more distractions and uh just just kind of sticking to who i am and that's what you got to do the rest of this season because things have changed you're going to be in new pairings you're going to be in the winter's pairings people are going to talk to me they're coming up you got to sometimes you know you got to still do the things you're doing make sure you make time for yourself uh and i think that's the advice but you know what what's going forward you're playing this week at san antonio what's ahead uh you know everything's changed i know but what's ahead for you in the next few weeks um so yeah so this week i'm in san antonio and i'll have next week off unless you know so happen i win this week in san antonio next week's the masters um and then after that i know i'm gonna play so that win got me into the heritage so i'll I'll be going there now which i wasn't originally scheduled and then i'm going to the zurich okay and playing with uh playing with josh creel in the zurich and then that's Honestly, as far as my as far as my schedule's gone so far. Well, buddy, we're proud of you. You've made Mississippi proud. I know everybody in Fulton, Mississippi, and the entire state. We just couldn't be any more proud of you. We appreciate you t- spending some time with us. I know you're busy. Get out there and practice. Hey, why not me? Why not do it again this week? Let's go back to back. That's what I'm saying. Somebody, somebody's got to win every week. Absolutely. So, like you said, why not me? Well, just remember those last few things you said about being yourself and staying patient and uh, don't change anything and keep working hard and you're going to be fine. This is the start of a, a great career. We're real proud of you and we appreciate you being with us. Uh, thank you so much.